thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Jeff Johnson, co-founder and chief brand officer of DTC Outer Brand, The Arrival. I wanted to have Jeff on the podcast to talk about his unique transition from architecture to fashion and how The Arrivals is navigating new challenges resulting from coronavirus. Thank you for being here, Jeff. Absolutely. Thank you, Jill. I mean, in this challenging time, thank you for making time. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, you know, I, I know we were emailing each other back and forth a few weeks back and kind of, you know, continuing to think about, okay, what does our reality look like? When will this blow over? And as you kind of understand the gravity, like just being able to take advantage of these new digital tools is is kind of a testament to just the world that we're in, even the fact that we're all working from home today and connecting remotely. I think, you know, you mentioned, of course, we're a DTC outerwear company, um, but our ability to still operate when so many businesses and say the apparel, fashion, et cetera, um, industry are are kind of just frozen um, is is both a luxury, not to say with, you know, not without its challenges, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's good to connect y'all. Yes, same here. Talk to me. Are you, for your company, uh, you had some things working in your favor. For one, like not a large physical footprint, not mm-hmm. a large team. Can you talk a little bit about kind of, uh, I don't know, the, the way... How Absolutely. Things, go ahead. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think it's something where, you know, we kind of, you know, think about this internally every day. And what's been interesting is, you know, whether it's speaking with different clients, potential partnership, um, kind of contacts, et cetera, like you get to see such a kind of a, a broader picture of how everyone is being affected. Um, and I think that helps kind of paint a picture of, yeah, this is, of course, challenging for everyone. And like, we're very thankful for kind of like the just kind of extent or limit of which, you know, we've been affected thus far. Um, but yeah, I think there's like some serendipitous kind of components to just how our business is built and some of the kind of like random just timing um, components that um, have fallen into place. But as you mentioned, you know, we are a DTC outdoor business. We, because of that, we're quite seasonal, Um, you know, for better or worse, our main season is August through really like January, February. Um, Perfect. And so one of the ways we like to take advantage of kind of just that focus that, you know, our audience community and, and just kind of like the you know, market has during that time is opening these temporary pop-up spaces. And so these are a really nice way to kind of, you know, one, re-envision kind of the brand ethos, the kind of collection aesthetic and tell, I think, a, a you know, a kind of tactile story about the brand and the collection each year. That's kind of new, you know, immersive, engaging to our audience. Um, and we typically run those for a duration of like five to six months. Um, nice. you know, on par, we did that this year in, in Soho of New York City. Um, and, you know, kind of just coinciding with the seasonality of the product. Um, the doors close this February and um, kind of the spring, summer is almost our off season and, and they will reopen um, in August. But yeah, you know, it's something where, we kind of had our, our last few weeks, um, you know, 
shut everything down for the spring and summer. And, and now we're just sitting in a place of like, wow, thank goodness. Like we didn't change our strategy to have a permanent flagship, you know, like, and it's not only like, okay, from a, you know, a revenue or, um, kind of liability standpoint, but just thinking about like, all right, then you would have to like, think about the full team and just like, you know, go through so many pain points. And that's something that, you know, there's no way to plan for that. It just happened to kind of be the case. But yeah, I think like one of the key observations that we've had as well is just like trying to be nimble, um, yeah. trying to kind of work with, okay, like this is a time where brands, individuals, um, I think are all thinking about like, as we connect here today on the, on this <laughs> video call is like just connectivity and, and being kind of like sensitive and authentic to, to what's happening. And so that's something where I think we've transitioned um, a bit away from kind of like new product um, and speaking kind of only to um, these kind of like consumable things um, yeah. and transition more to, you know, what does it mean to kind of like have community? Why is that important to us? Um, and taking advantage with probably a lot more like scrappy tools, but trying to create a dialogue with our community um, kind of around that, which has been, I think, a nice um just kind of like antithesis to, to what's happening in the world today. Yeah. What does your community want from you? Like on your social channels, on Instagram, are you, I know like various brands that maybe have never, I don't know, maybe they're wellness adjacent. They're doing like uh, workouts on their Instagram or trying new things to keep people engaged, maybe distracted, maybe be sensitive to the situation that's not pushing yep. product. Have you changed that, uh, that social strategy? Yeah. I mean, I think we've been really fascinated, like, kind of as a product of our internal processes and how these have changed one in the past year of kind of me being bi-coastal and two in the past few weeks of now everyone being remote. Um, But we've been really fascinated by this idea of just like virtual collaboration or like virtual design. Um, And so last week we actually hosted a panel like on Instagram live. I feel like that's something that you may have seen as well, but it it, it feels like every brand is and individuals as well are kind of in, like you know embracing instagram live tool just as a kind of a a less formal less polished way to kind of you know again virtually connect with a community um but we hosted a panel um with uh three other moderators and basically just had a conversation about like how our day-to-day has changed what tools we're using um what has kind of been productive in the creative process how are we keeping like the design process going when you know, I can no longer see a sample and work through a physical product with my team. Um, so I think that for us is like one of these initial pieces that's super fascinating about like, how are we kind of collaborating internally through a design process? And because these tools, again, can be accessed from anywhere, is there an opportunity to kind of broaden, okay, right now, this is our internal design team, could there actually be a design community, right? And could we potentially, because there's no kind of physical barrier to entry, could we potentially open up kind of a design dialogue with our community? So I think that like, these are the initial pieces that I think are really fun for us in terms of like, you know, could we open up a Slack channel and invite individuals have various threads about kind of, you know, innovation material, um, various locations or like needs for product categories cool. um, and kind of almost like, you know, democratize the, the design process. So I think that's, you know, one thing that 
we've been super curious about. I mean, for somebody who's, I don't know, so design focused to like remain inspired when you're like looking at your living room all day. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure it's a challenge. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, No, I think that's actually a funny comment. We, um, during this panel, we were kind of talking about what, like the final sign off question was, uh, what inspired, like what's inspiring you today, given everything. Um, and I think like, you know, through this, there's a silver lining for everyone. Um, and it can come in many different forms, but it really, I think the shared value is the kind of level of connectivity that it's creating. Um, and, you know, be that through connecting with relatives, connecting with teammates, there's kind of a, a shared challenge that we're all going through and and that kind of opens up these opportunities to to reconnect um with yeah. individuals so yeah yeah we've done a lot of stories on uh i guess how brands navigate even being like a seasonal brand like whether you're swimwear or whether you're outerwear yeah because you are so set up for this i feel like every brand is now has to come up with like shift their model to be seasonal because they're kind of taking a couple seasons off. Um, totally. What would you say? I mean, how do you, what do you do on the off season? Like how do you kind of, uh, are you just planning for next season and gearing up? What what goes on? Yeah. I mean, there there is definitely a shift of what are the, the goals during those time periods. So, you know, part of it is yes. Like there is a lot of design, production, development, creative work that we're doing during that time and really to kind of prep us for that five months down the road. But at the same time, you know, what, what are the kind of components that are necessary or important for like overall brand health? And then I think, you know, one is of course, like this is a business, it it needs to kind of meet its, its metrics. Um, But at the same time um, thinking about like, what is the full scope of, okay, being, having kind of that, that clear mission and focus, um, thinking about, um, kind of, you know, brand partnerships and community activation. So I think for us, the spring and summer is always a time when we're less focused on kind of, you know, driving growth of the brand in terms of revenue. But I think it's, it's kind of like deepening resonance of the brand in terms of what does the arrival stand for? Um, you know, what are, how are we engaging our community? How are we kind of like authentically really deepening these relationships and then tapping into, um, ideas and concepts that are relevant to our, um, community. And so that's something where it's kind of like the quantitative versus qualitative. Um, but the, the summer I think is, is heavily focused on these kind of qualitative brand components, um, that obviously have huge value. Um, but at a time when, um, yeah, your, your product by virtue of season is just, um, you know, not at the forefront. Um, I think it's something that, um, has been really important for us. And I think you're kind of seeing that it could be naturally, but like happening already, just as you're, you know, you're looking through, be it say your various forms of, um, you know, content consumption. Um, but I think so many brands have kind of made that shift, um, naturally or, um, kind of by virtue of force, uh, just to be able to continue to engage and have a a narrative with their audience. Um, and it, you know, it, it may be, of course it is because of the constraints that we're placed in now, but I think it's a really kind of natural, um, or intuitive way to, 
kind of communicate when you know, okay, this point is now moot. Um, yeah. How do we kind of continue a narrative and what is something that like we can all kind of connect on? Yeah. Another way you guys were kind of a prime position for, for this is like, I, is your A team still intact? I know a lot of brands are kind of um, looking to influencers now to create content that are maybe used to doing uh, large scale photo shoots. Um, yeah. I think that you've always done that. Um, but are they, are you leaning more heavily on them to create? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think like, I mean, again, we'll, <laughs> we'll mention the Instagram stories, but that's something where, yeah, over the past, I would say two years, we've kind of just been building a community of ambassadors. And this, you know, can span from uh, artists, creatives, photographers, musicians, et cetera, um, that, you know, many are based in New York, um, but kind of throughout the world um, that are essentially just kind of a community of individuals that I think first and foremost, were really inspired by um, from kind of a creative and just kind of a, an entrepreneurial and innovative perspective at the arrivals. Um, but, you know, in the past, um, it's, there's been kind of opportunities where we've brought them on trips like to Iceland to product test um, one of our new collaborative pieces. Um, but, you know, given kind of the, the constraints of us all being quarantined in our homes, you know, it's been, I think, a really nice kind of, again, opportunity to just be able to um, have that extension of the arrivals brand through that community and say something like, Hey, like, you know, it's Thursday. We want to kind of throw a little house party this weekend. Could we, you know, maybe do a DJ set Friday and then we'll like kind of, you know, reshare that, um, playlist with our audience. Um, but I think those are the kinds of things where, again, like the, the level of production, um, is much more spontaneous, um, but to be able to tap into that, that community um, and have kind of so many different individuals that have these really focused talents has been, has been amazing. Has this whole fiasco, I guess, affected your uh, feelings about physical retail? Do you, are you going to go back to that pop-up model? I think you've dabbled with retail partners in the past, obviously. Uh, that's always <laughs> yeah. an, like, I don't know, people are already concerned about uh, like department stores. Has that maybe changed your perception? Like you, you're not going to go back there. Um, what's your thoughts on physical retail now? Yeah. I mean, I think like, I'm kind of fascinated about that. That is a big question of just like, what do we feel like is, are going to be the long term effects of this? Right. Yeah. Like, so, you know, for me having spent, you know, cumulatively almost 10 years in New York city, like the idea of a physical like retail space is like something very near and dear to my heart. Like to be able to walk into a space and you're like, yes, I discovered this, like all of these, all of these products kind of relate to me either by silhouette, material design, whatever the pieces are, the kind of physical space helps communicate that as well. Like that's something that I think is, is nearly impossible to, to create. Um, you just think about the senses of sight, touch, feel, smell, et cetera. Like, you know, some of them are possible to replicate through a physical or a digital medium, but, um, you know, the entire experience is, is nearly impossible. And so I think for me, like, you know, biasly, it's, it's something where I, w I think I will always feel that a physical space is important to help kind of communicate um, that idea and message um, through a controlled environment. Um, but then I think there's, yeah, the bigger questions of, 
you know, what are the behaviors that we're kind of learning right now? Um, and, you know, how will kind of our, our work habits, behaviors change as a result of this? And that's something that, you know, can have very like vast impacts that we're just not aware of right now. So, yeah. I mean, I think ultimately, yeah, I, I would assume that once we get through this and, you know, in the 12 or 18 months, you know, fingers crossed there'll be a vaccine and like life will kind of resume back to normal and it's going to be hard, but like we will get through this. Um, but uh, I, I'm really curious about like, what are those learned behaviors and patterns um, that will kind of carry on and how will that affect yeah, kind of the physical retail environment? Yeah, for, for both um, in-house and consumer behavior. I, I got to wonder, like I, there's talk of, um, you know, brand consumers moving toward more, I guess, uh, sustainable brands or um, quality brands, maybe away from fast fashion and all of this mm-hmm. like waste. I don't, what are your projections for consumer behavior? Yeah, that's a, a great question. I mean, I think right now there's a there's a shared sense of frugalness, right? Um, yeah. and, and it's just kind of, you know, with the uncertainty that everyone is experiencing, just being kind of thoughtful about, okay, what are you investing in right now? I think that being said, like I foresee luxury um, having having a potential um, really hard time depending on how you know long we experience this. Um, but I do think, yeah, the, the consumer habits that you know, we've been kind of tracking thus far is people still need stuff. They're, you know, purchasing, um, they're purchasing less and they're kind of purchasing from brands that I think have a, a kind of mission and identity um, that they really align with. Um, at the same time, you know, based on personal and peer behavior, um, I know that, you know, people still have their go-to essentials, maybe whether they want to name kind of the the brands or fast fashion companies that they're purchasing those from. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious, like, you know, how long will this kind of all last? Um, and especially kind of in the luxury segment, um, how, how kind of consumer behaviors kind of shift based on the duration of the COVID crisis. Yes. Um, I had a story on, you know, not only are stores closing, but a lot of brands, uh, have had a, close down their e-commerce because their warehouses or their distribution True. centers are also being forced to close. Have you, um, where are those located for you guys have, and has that been a, a hurdle? So we, we are in constant communication, um, with, you know, both our factories as well as our warehouses. And it's something that, you know, our, our warehouses are also very forthcoming with us just kind of emailing us like, Hey, like, we want to assure you that, you know, shipping is still happening. That said, this is a fluid kind of, um, you know, evolution of the situation. And we also have to abide by kind of like, um, WHO, et cetera. Um, but, uh, yeah, we have, despite kind of speed, um, we have not been like super heavily impacted. Um, they're basically all of our fulfillment centers are um, implementing you know, the, the rigorous requirements of, you know, ensuring um, customer, employee, et cetera, um, safety. Um, but it's something where we don't know how, like what that's going to look like tomorrow. Right. Yeah. And so I think that's something that, 
you know, we're also trying to be thoughtful even around our, our customer base of, okay, you know, typically the arrivals has a two week return policy, but extending that, right? Like in the case nice. that, um, you know, they, their package takes a little bit longer to receive, they can't schedule a FedEx pickup, like whatever those things are, but just trying to be sensitive around like, you know, there are people that love the product and, and, you know, despite them only kind of maybe getting out for like two walks per week, yeah. um, still really want to kind of, you know, be a part of the brand. And, you know, if that means that they can't schedule a FedEx pickup for two weeks, like, don't make life any harder or weirder than it already is. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, just trying to be thoughtful about like that whole brand experience from you know our distribution centers to our customer experience, et cetera. So, are you guys are you guys seeing uh, sales declines, or because it's your off season, it's been like up to par? I mean, I, the huge. Sure, um, it's been kind of a mix. Um, so, I think you know across the board, yeah, sales. You know, just like even traffic has been lower. Um, that said, last week, for some for the last two weeks, we've seen like a two x spike um, in conversion. Um, but I think like you know we're we're kind of seeing interesting things happen in the fact that like one our average order value has gone down, um, but the kind of the the volume oh, great. Um, conversion has gone up. Um, so you know it, it's it's kind of some of those things are very kind of easy to explain in the sense that, okay, spring is kind of here around the corner. Um, you know, the folks are, are starting to kind of move away from um, these heavier weight winter pieces that have higher price point into kind of these um, you know, easier um, kind of basics. Um, you know, some of our team is like, it's loungewear, you know, everyone's <laughs> buying loungewear for the house. Um, but uh, I think, you know, we've been, pretty heavily invested just in our communications and our social um, and kind of making sure that um, we just have a presence and, and how to do that thoughtfully. Um, so for the past yeah, two weeks, we have kind of provided a promotion on our site and, and basically been um, offering or donating a portion of all nice. proceeds to the CDC. Um, and so there's likely, you know, the fact that that has um, kind of, resonated with our audience and, and kind of given them an opportunity to support, um, you know, I think in a time when people really want to help. Um, but yeah, I think for us, like, as you were hinted, hinted towards, like now is the time of year where um, we almost, I don't want to say hibernation, but we kind of go um, and work on a lot of these more qualitative projects and start planning for fall, winter um, of this year. Um, and so there's kind of the natural um, cycle that we're experiencing. But at the same time, yeah, I think us um, and so many companies are, are really kind of, you know, thinking through ways um, to adapt because um, consumers right now are just um, kind of, being much more cautious about how they spend their dollars. And um, that's something that I think we're, <laughs> we're constantly working through. Yes. Are you guys actively cutting costs? Are you uh, planning to do so um, in the areas of the business? Is that coming up or is that happening now? Yeah. So I think some of those things have just happened kind of serendipitously, as I mentioned with the pop-up, like that's something that of course there's a, a seasonal you know cost to that, um, that we, um, are not incurring now. So I'm again, super thankful that that's something that, 
um, you know, wasn't a surprise to anyone. Um, and it's kind of, you know, within the normal scope. Um, that being said, yeah, there are, you know, be it say from factory, um, delays to, um, kind of just various implications that COVID has had across kind of our design development and production um, chain that has yeah. delayed product releases. Um, and so then we have to be thoughtful about, okay, well, how many, how much marketing dollars are we putting towards that? Is this product, if it arrives two months later, still as seasonally relevant as it was if it arrived April 1st? Um, and so in those um, scenarios where kind of, actively working through, okay, like how do we then think about a potentially pre-fall launch of this product? Um, and so it's, I would say less of cutting yeah. and more about like shifting, right? Like shifting based on, um, the kind of dynamic and of, of the situation and ultimately like not kind of looking at this too optimistically, but I think the fact that we're not beholden to say, external retailers that could at any time kind of you know cancel an order or demand things from us like we are kind of in control of our whole supply chain and our whole kind of marketing and launch strategy and so we do have and I'll, I'll put in virtual quotes that you guys can't see but like the ability to be nimble um, and kind of um, be a bit reactive to the situation um, and through that um, have the luxury of kind of, um, you know, holding things and re-strategizing based on kind of, you know, unforeseen circumstances. Yeah. Last question. Just uh, any learnings from this in terms of if, if there is a, God forbid, another crisis of this sort, how you can maybe safeguard the company, whether it's diversifying like distribution or whole, uh, or warehouses or or anything that you could do to better prepare for something like this. Yeah, I mean that's a great question. I think I would be curious to hear from you as well. But I think one of the the kind of uh, go to topics is man, like what businesses are going to come out of this, right? Like what 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 is the kind of good that is going to emerge out of out of this crisis, and what are the ideas? What is the innovation? Um, but I think for us, like there's always like, yeah. these things are so hard to predict and like the idea of diversifying, like, you know, for the past year, we've been talking about opening up a flagship store. We've been, um, and this is no longer kind of under the wraps, but we've been talking with a number of retailers about, um, possible kind of, um, kind of introduction into the retail landscape. And the fact that we kind of maintained a steadfastness to, okay, like, let's really just focus on the Arrivals core brand um, and our DTC channels. Like, in this particular scenario, that has been, like, we're in the best place because we stuck to that roadmap. And so that's not going to be the case for, you know, the next who knows what is going to happen. So I think, like, there is a component of luck, right? And that's the thing that, um, you know, we're fortunate for and, and so many others are as well. And unfortunately, there are people that have been, you know, really heavily affected by this. And in another scenario, maybe, it, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a digital meltdown, um, but maybe they would be much better kind of primed to weather that storm. Um, so I think for us, um, 
yeah, we, we are in a, a lucky place. Um, and yeah, hopefully we, we can kind <laughs> of weather, weather the storm with everyone, but I think, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. And hopefully we, we make it through with as many of our peers as possible. Yeah. I mean, I would, and my take on that is like the brands that have not prioritized profitability are going to get it, unfortunately. True. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really hard where it's, you know, purely a revenue, um, game and, and kind of don't have the buffer to, to operate when, when it's, it's stormy out. Um, I think those are the, those are, they're going to have their challenges. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, we've, we've been thankful for even, you know, from a team perspective, you, you mentioned we're a small team and we are, but being able to just kind of come together and, and share kind of the, the shared goal with the team and have that kind of refocus. But also I think there's a lot of like camaraderie and um, positivity that's come through this. So, you know, ultimately being able to have those core tenants as a brand and a mission and kind of able to refocus on that with the team has been, I think, rewarding amidst kind of the, the, the kind of global chaos that we're going through. Right on. Jeff, thank you for being so honest. And this has been an awesome conversation. I appreciate it. Of course, Jill. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, good luck. Hopefully we can, we can uh, do this in person next time. <laughs> in a physical retail environment where people are out and about and it's like amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks again. That's all for this episode, which was produced by Pierre Bienname. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald's. Please head to the review section on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast to give us a rating and tell us what you think. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast.